Some days are terrible, you wish that you were dead And some days are magical, like grape banana bread Someday we'll be friends with the voices in our heads The voices in our heads Hello everybody, welcome to The Voices in Our Heads I'm your host, and I'm honored to be the current voice in your head Christina Marie Hutchinson Congratulations on not killing yourself, guys. It is a brutal existence if you have that attitude about it. But if you're like, I'm going to fuck life in the butt in a good way, not in a way where she's like, ew, it hurts, stop. Uh, But more where she's like, yeah, fuck my butt. Did you come here for the poetry? Because I already delivered. But don't, don't, don't skip this episode because I got a lot of more gems. I got a lot of more gems. Yo, I'd be buying shit. And every time I come down to Mikey Studio, Slickback Studios, has you have you launched yet? Not officially. All right. Well, it's Couple coming. Months. It's coming. January, early January, I think. You make me feel better about all the projects that I have that I'm like, I'm going to do this then, and then it just doesn't cuz shit, you got there's so much to think about. There's so many elements to think about, and it's really overwhelming. And it's like I want to be done at this time, but it's not happening because a to-do list that's uh, overflowing makes me a fainting goat. And I scream and pass out. But my point in saying this is every time I come to Slickback Studios, there's a lot of shops. There's a lot of stores on the way because mm. I got to find parking. And parking in Williamsburg is a cunt. Okay? It's a cunt. Last week, I got a $195 ticket. And I was Oof. like, come on, universe. Cover my car. But it, it, the universe was like, how about I fuck you in the ass? But the one that you're like, ouch. So... Every time I walk over here, when I make the time to find parking, which I did this time because I don't want another ticket, I pass all these stores. Yo, I'd be buying shit, okay? I'd be buying shit to fill a void, but also I'm like, ooh, when I'm bored, I'm just like, do I need new shoes? Maybe I do. Who's to say? I'm in charge of my own finances. Is that a good idea? Probably not, you know? I know that like women are like independent and should be go with money. I am not one of those women. I love buying things because maybe the item will make my life better. You know, I just want to. I just want to buy stuff when I'm bored. And so I'm definitely. I passed a store on the way here that's right next door to your studio, where there it's a dog store with sweaters. And Kevin and I are spending Christmas in Ireland this year, so I need to get him cute sweaters for Ireland because. The, the photo ops are going to be plentiful. So I'm going to go buy more shit after I record this. And then I'll wonder in a couple years why I don't have a savings account. Uh, I do right now, but that's – it ebbs and flows. Do you know what I mean? Uh, the marathon happened, the New York City marathon. That was, that was joyful. Uh, this is my second year in a row cheering for people. I cannot tell you how good it is for your soul, for your psyche to just cheer for a motherfucker for running. That's it. You're running 26 miles or 26 and a half, 26.2. I don't know. Whatever the, whatever the figure is. Don't DM me. I don't care. Um, but that's a huge to do to run that, that long. And this year I got up early enough because I was so excited to cheer for people that I got to see the elite runners. So the first little patch of runners that they send down are the ones that are like really good at running. And goddamn, did they keep a maintained pace? I watched them in Long Island City, which is about the halfway point of the marathon. It was just fucking fantastic. And it's New York City. So you know there's people when they send out the groups of 
the hordes of people that are just running because they want to run, but they're not necessarily runners. Uh, They got one guy was juggling. One guy had a rat on his head. One guy was dressed in a full alligator costume, just running. And that's great. Good for you. Fucking run. Express yourself as you run, you know. But yeah, the elite runners were really impressive. They're they're they had no fat on their body and their stance they were just like an angel. They, were, they looked like they were barely trying to run, and they were going very fast. So that was really fun to cheer for the marathon people. Uh, I highly suggest traveling to New York from wherever you are in the world and cheering for them. I think I'm going to run it, which, ugh, yeah, that's not going to be fun. But I love a physical fitness goal, and I don't like running because it's very boring. And I just think about all the stuff I want to buy. Um, but when you're running a marathon, you don't really have time to pull over and get on Amazon or Wayfair or any of your apps um, that make you fall to your knees in the face of consumerism, there's no time to pull over and buy stuff. So I'll just think about all the stuff I want to buy, and then whenever I remember by the end of the race, as a reward to myself, I'll buy it. I'll probably remember, like, a Maserati and a home. Um, Yo. I – so gift-giving is an art, okay? And my comedy partner, Corinne, is – perhaps the queen of it and for christmas slash birthday last year she gave me i mean i opened it and i was like bitch you did it again bitch respectfully she got me the home alone 2 package at the plaza hotel and you know my dog's name kevin McAllister hutchinson after kevin McAllister from home alone one and two i know every word and every beat and every movement to both of those movies The third and after, they don't count because they sucked. Sorry. Um, So I booked it for Tuesday, this past Tuesday. We got in. The freaking package comes with a limo ride, a four-hour limo ride, with a cheese pizza in the fucking limo. I mean, knocking it out of the park, Corinne. And I never thought I'd stay at the Plaza Hotel because it is New York's most exciting hotel experience. But I never thought, I'm like, I live here. I'm not going to do that. And also, even if I was like a billionaire, I probably wouldn't buy that for myself. Because again, I live here. It just feel, It's one of those things where I wouldn't have done it unless someone bought it for me. And that's a big pat thing. And she bought it for me. And so we booked it midweek. I'm like, yes, let's do a midweek staycation. You know? Fucking get back to our roots. Look each other in the eye. Don't check our texts or emails. It was so freeing. So we got to the plaza. And the fucking limo was raiding right away. Uh, the check-in was at 4, so I booked the limo tour for 1 p.m. So we didn't waste any time. And the limo driver was so friendly. And he did the – he's like, do you want to take a video of you – of me opening the cheese pizza box as you, like, enter the limo? And I was like, Slava, yes, I fucking do. Thank you. And I was like, is this what you do? I was asking the limo driver, like, do you just give Home Alone 2 Plaza tours? That's like your main thing right now? He's like, yeah. He's like, I'll have parents come with their kids who are obsessed with the movie. And they'll come in the limo as the pizza. They've never been in the limo before. I'm like, oh my. If I was a child, if I was 12 or under and my parents bought me that, I'd fucking, I'd, I'd, I'd be their personal maid for the rest of my life. That is the coolest fucking thing a parent could do for a kid. And so we took a tour. The tour was supposed to go around the Midtown uh, sites that the Home Alone 2 movie visited. And I was like, okay, I got to get real with you, Slava. I live here. 
and I'm in Midtown all the fucking time. I've seen the Empire State Building. I've seen 30 Rock. I've seen the Christmas tree. And you know that was one of the first things I did the first time I came to New York City because I was just excited to look at the Plaza Hotel because of Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. My first New York trip ever was in eighth grade, and we went to Broadway shows. And luckily, Times Square is not that far from the plaza, so you bet your ass I took a little excursion. I don't know how I didn't manage to get lost. And it was great. So this limo ride, we asked him to take us to sites in New York that like we don't usually go to very often. So we went to St. John's Cathedral uptown by Columbia. Y'all, bro. Bro. All these near-death experience videos that I watch, some of them talk about like I was in this gorgeous room with all these white columns and it looked like the most beautiful church you've ever seen. That was this church. It was it was so beautiful. And um, yeah, it was just the best. And then we checked into the hotel. The I follow the Plaza Flower account. They have fresh flowers every day at the Plaza because it's New York's most exciting hotel experience. And there's an account that's just the flowers, the floral arrangements. And I walked in and there was all – there was like a – there was like a cake tier of just vases filled with the most beautiful flowers you've ever seen. And yes, I started crying because I was so happy. And you know how I love immersive theater. It's my favorite thing in the world because you forget who you are and all the troubles in your life, um, if only for a moment. And this experience felt like an immersive movie experience. It was so fucking fun. And our room, the bed was circular. How cool is that? And it wasn't in some cheesy, you know, Pocono Hotel for Lovers kind of thing. It was this gorgeous circular bed. The linens, the thread count. You bet I stole all the lotions and the soaps and the the fucking shower, the shower cap. I stole all of it because I'm like, if you're going to give it to me for free, I'm going to take it. We got room service and ate it in robes. Oh, so good. And then the next day. We fucking, I booked us a spot at the, there's a restaurant called The Palms at the Plaza where you can do tea, afternoon tea. I don't know if for all y'all who live in England, you know that life. I, I've been to England many times. London's one of my favorite cities in the world. Probably the only place I've been where I'm like, I could fucking live here. No, where I'm like, I could fucking live here. And I've done high tea in, in England, in London, a bunch. And it's so fun because you know I'm a child. The hot, the sandwiches, the crust is cut off the sandwiches, and they're cut for you. So that's really exciting. And I love snacks. I love little. I'm a I'm a muncher. I'm like a bird. I eat like a bird. I love like mm, I'm full. So I love little snacks. So it was just all snacks and tea. It was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And to take a vacation, a staycation, midweek in the city that you live in. From Tuesday to Wednesday, it feels like you got an extra weekend. It's wild. It was. So, I'll never forget it. And my my boyfriend and I, we had so much, like we had a very bonding experience. And it the whole time I was thinking, man, if you have kids, because I don't know about that life yet, but to have kids, I imagine getting a, a weekend away or two days away from your fucking kids, the, regardless of if you like them or not, regardless of how cool they are. And to just have an excuse to just be with your, be with your lover is so fun. So I kept thinking about all the parents out there and how that's a great gift for parents. Just like book them a hotel for a weekend or a two-night stay somewhere and maybe offer to babysit because then you're just also giving them a chore. Um, although, you know, Kevin, little Kevin McAllister Hutchinson, I had to get him a babysitter. He, he uh, the babysitter that watches him had to take her, she has a dog that Kevin is friends with. The dog's name is Fran. She's very sweet. 
And she's like, okay, I can babysit Kevin, but I take Fran to daycare one of the days because I don't work from home seven days or five days a week anymore. So I was like, oh, Kevin's going to hate that, but it's going to be good for him. So when I dropped him off, he I feel like he knew. I feel like he knew he was going to be at a place where he didn't want to be. And I'm like, tough shit, dude. And then when I picked him up, he peed all over me. He always pees on me when I pick him up. Um, but good for it. It was so fun. It was so magical. And the plaza is so fancy. And also, when you're a rich person, because presumably, I mean, I have eyes. I saw everybody there. You got old people. When you know you're in the company of rich, when like the old people's fashion sense is better than yours. Like this fucking 80-year-old woman had these mascot red glasses and these Louis Vuitton shoes. I'm like, oh, the money. I want that much money because I will buy things with it. I will buy things. I will help the economy. I will singularly boost the economy. Come on, universe. I want to win the lotto. Um, okay, I got to turn this vibrate off. I got a new phone, and I don't want the vibrate. So st- I am here. Yeah. I'm quite a bit of vibration. Ugh, <laughs> I stop it. I, keep, I kept it's looking. Not the I was fun trying kind. to figure out where, what, where it was coming from. Oh, I know how to stop it. Here we go. Here we go. Sound and hepatics. I don't know heptics. Haptics. When I don't know a word, I'll just make it up. And like I did that when I read Harry Potter. I'm like, I couldn't pronounce that chick's name. So I'm like, I'm just going to call her Harmony because I can't fucking sound it out. Ugh. Um, okay, the vibrates turned off. We're safe. Okay, so I did the Home Alone 2 thing. That was crazy. Marathon, that was crazy. Uh, guys, if you don't already... Follow me on Patreon and our Patreon member. I highly suggest signing up. Four days, uh, four days out of the month, I host group Zoom therapy, and I call it therapy because if I called it therapy, a lawyer could sue me for um, trying to imitate a doctor. And I'm not. I'm not a licensed therapist. I don't have a degree. Technically, I went to school for acting, but I was three credits shy of getting the degree. Uh, I did walk because I was supposed to make it up in the summer. And then I fucking didn't because I had a lot on my mind and my heart was heavy. Okay? But I didn't know it at the time. I just thought I was stupid. That's why you got to look into yourself and read self-help books. And you realize, oh, it's not me. It's everybody else. Uh, But I highly suggest you sign up for my Patreon. Um, The topics this month and for me, and I'm like, I need a space. You know, when I do stuff, I always tell people and I tell people on microphones. And I I feel like that dilutes the, the... the mission a little bit, you know? Like if I have a project that I'm working on and I'm really excited about it and then I start telling people about it, I already experience the glory of having finished the project by their reactions and their encouragement that I fucking shit the bed and I don't finish anything. That is my Achilles heel. One of the things I got to work on in this lifetime is following through because your girl ain't good at it. I said don't vibrate and now you're vibrating. So why is that? Okay, let me turn my notifications off. Because third time's a charm, you know? This is the second time, but it's fine. Okay. No. No. Thank you. Um, what was I saying? I was talking about my Patreon. The Zoom. Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it. I'm going to fucking find it. Do you remember, Mike? Or are you doing shit? I, I don't think you I wasn't going anywhere? There. Yeah. Damn. That's <laughs> so it's hard to say. I don't know what mountain I was trying to climb. <laughs> with that one uh but my my patreon oh so oh, this is what i was saying i remember now uh when i have a project that i'm working on or a personal goal and i start talking about it with people or i talk about it on a microphone it dilutes me getting to the finish line of that goal because i'm like i already experienced the glory of having done it let's move on and then i get down on myself and i'm like christina you can never fucking this is what you do 
So you got to stop. So I'm trying to stop. So that is all to say I need like one of the main – when I do these group Zooms, everybody shares and I always always give the spiel at the top. The audio is being recorded because I upload it to Patreon after so you can listen back. Uh, But I also say, you know, you could share it. Nothing is too small that you share. Nothing's too like petty or dumb and nothing's too big. Like there's not anything that you're going to say to me that I'm going to go, what? Unless it's about like ghosts or aliens and it's something I don't know. But that's a good what? I'm saying like if you want to talk about, you know, being molested when you were a kid. All right. Talk about it because a lot of people were molested and that's fucked up. And you know how we stop getting all those people to be molested we start talking about how many people were molested and that way it's a more comfortable subject um but that is all to say you could come in and talk about whatever you want and i always start us off i'm like i'll share and some a lot of times lately because i'm not in therapy right now i'll just share like a something like a nugget of wisdom i've learned or gained from from a book but the 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 theme uh that i will be sharing of this patreon and i'm honestly this group therapy thing it's also for me okay it's also for me. And it's for you, but it's also for me because I want a space um, where I could say shit. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be talking about sobriety <laughs> and the journey of that. And it, it, I want to try to make sobriety fun, which is a big challenge, but I think, it, I think it's doable. I think it's doable. So that's, those are things that I'll be talking about in the group therapy on Patreon. So sign up, patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. Sometimes um, I'll get like little hits little downloads, little like nuggets of wisdom like pop into my head. Where did, where they come from? No fucking idea. But uh, I had one the other day where I'm like, oh, it's not about having faith in yourself or a goal or whatever it is, like having faith that you can accomplish this or having faith that it'll work out. It's not about that. It's about keeping the faith and maintaining it. That's the tricky part. Anybody could be optimistic for a day, but can you be opt- optimistic for the arrest of your fucking life? No. No, I think you can. I think you can. I think you can. There's a lot of mishaps here with these fucking props. But I think you can. <laughs> yeah, I fucking, let's carrot top over here. Um, guys, you know what time it is? It's time for some fuckboy theater. <laughs> You guys, this one's epic. This one's epic. I, I read it. I'm like, holy shit! I can't wait to read. I can't wait to read this. It's a fresh one. It's one that was recently sent to me. By the way, DM me your fuckboy Friday or your fuckboy theater screenshots uh, on Instagram. Just DM them to me. I'm at Christina Hutch. DM me screenshots, or if it's a video, this girl DM'd me a video, so I took screenshots of the video so I could read it properly. This one, I'm like, god damn, dude. Men, are, I admire a man's ability to think of just one thing at a time. Just one, you know? Not to say men can't multitask, because they can. And the men in my life, I've witnessed them multitasking, and I'm like, man, if that was me in your position, I'd be stressed the hell out. But you're handling this like a goddamn king. So, uh, but this guy is just a little one-track-minded. So this app, it, uh, I, it's like a... 
it's a field type of app. And by that, I mean like a three-way type of app, if you want it to be, it seems. I don't know exactly what app she's on, but it's definitely not like a Tinder. Um, so this is a conversation between a lovely lady who's charming and graceful and beautiful and a great role model, I'm sure, and a piece of crap name. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. Honestly, his name doesn't matter. This is fucking rich, okay? Okay? Oh, God. Okay. So this guy, so she's in a couple. She has a partner. This person knows that. And I guess they're kind of negotiating a possible, hey, let, maybe let's meet up. And if we vibe, we could do like a three-way thing, you know, which good for you. Live your life. All right. Uh, so this guy made his photos visible on his profile and sends her a photo. Uh, I can only imagine it's of his cock. And then he <laughs> says, damn, you're hot. I'm doing well. And then she doesn't respond. And then he says, hey, you. And then she never responds. So he says, you into getting fucked and pounded super hard? She doesn't respond. So the next day, he sends a picture of his dick. It's a picture of him holding his baseball bat of a dick. I want to pull this out. Get it sucked. Then slap it against his cock. She doesn't say anything. So he says, bruise that dick. Then pound you from behind with that sexy tight ass. Palm these cheeks with these big hands while you suck his dick. She still hasn't responded. Then put a thumb in your butt. Holding your neck tight with other hand. Come in you. Pull out. Shoot this cum all up your back. She still hasn't said anything yet. And on his stomach too. Nut all over both of you. And then he sends another photo of his cock. Then all hang out after and drink. LOL. And then the next, she doesn't respond. So two days later, he goes, not interested. And then two days after that, he goes, hey, you. And then one day after that, he sends a photo of his cock. And then he says, are you both bi? And finally, she responds. Whew. Hi. Oh, wow. Lots of hot here. But. My guy isn't bi-curious. Same. Love women. Love pussy, ass, tits. But a dick can be hot. I've tried anal toys. She still doesn't say anything. Love bi and gay porn, too. Have you had bi play? And then she doesn't say anything. So the next day, he sends the emoji of the eyes going, like, uh-uh. And then a couple hours later, he goes, Hey! Woke up thinking about you riding my dick while I suck on his, suck on his dick. And you either finger my asshole or even peg me. And scene. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to do a 45 minute episode, Mike. Where am I at? You are at 22. 23. Oh, yeah. I'm almost psychic. Look at that. 2348. Fucking suck my nuts. God, I love it. All right. This, can I just tell you this? I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep reading. I've gotten some feedback from you guys about this book. You're big fans. I love that. Because guess what? No one teaches us how to apologize. Okay? And if we know how to properly apologize, well, we're keeping our morals and values intact. We can walk through earth and not want to die. Okay? 
repairing relationships and knowing how to do that, I think, is very important. And this, the section of the book that I'm about to read is a fucking doozy because this deals with, this deals with, uh, with, get, okay, you know, I have a a temper. I have a temper. It gets really bad. When somebody does something to me, I used to, and by used to, I mean up until like a year ago, like if somebody commented on my Instagram and said something fucking, just they were being a twat. They were being an inciting twat, you know, that would get me. It would hook me and I'm like, God damn it, Christina, not this time. And then it would always get me. When people act shamey and like a bully, my immediate reaction is jump off a cliff. That's not going to help the situation. You know, you have to learn to get to a place where you can understand that person doing the awful thing. And that is my challenge. I want to make that like my goal, like my New Year's goal for like 2024. I really want to develop a sense of empathy and compassion for the human condition because let me tell you something. If one human being is capable of doing something, good, bad, or anything in between, guess what, motherfuckers? We're all capable of it. And sometimes we don't want to look at somebody's disgusting actions because we really don't want to look at the possibility of in ourselves that we could also do those actions, okay? Now, to not – okay, so ugh, this fucking – this fucking chunk of the book is a master class, okay? Again, the book is Why Won't You Apologize? Healing Big Betrayals and Everyday Hurts by Harriet Lerner, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this slowly because it, it's just, oh my God, take me to church, Harriet, you know? Let me, let me, hold on. What's happening? What do you need? Just this keeps turning, the mic, but I'm going to do this so that it don't, doesn't do that. Like the give and the, there we go. I want it to stay. Stay like a dog. Okay, like Kevin. All right. Are you ready for this, motherfuckers? Because buckle up. This chapter threw me for a loop. Shaming the shamer doesn't work. (sighs) When faced with an unrepentant wrongdoer who won't apologize and feels no remorse, you punch them in the face. Just kidding. That's my philosophy. It's a normal human impulse to blame the blamer and shame the shamer. You can say that eight times. And you'd be correct all eight times. The problem is that it doesn't help. That is the problem. But it feels so good in the moment. Why? (laughs) Not with simple offenses or with very serious ones. Smacking labels and diagnoses on non-repentant offenders only rigidifies. Rigidifies? Yeah, I practiced this chapter. Their defenses rather than opening their hearts. Oh, God damn, Harriet. I hate how true that is. I'm going to read that again. uh, Smacking labels and diagnoses on non-repentant offenders only rigidifies their defenses rather than opening their hearts. I mean, it's true, but I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? It's not just an expression of the offender's pathological denier that he or she doesn't want to accept the label of a batterer or an abuser or a toxic parent. The refusal to take on an identity defined by our worst deeds is a healthy act of resistance. Oh, that's see, that's the piece of compassion and empathy that I was missing. And I'm going to read that sentence again, even though I'm reading slower than I normally do. I just feel like it bears repeating. The refusal to take on an identity defined by our worst deeds is a healthy act of resistance. Oh, boy, Harriet, you're really fucking with me in this one. If one's identity as a person is equated with one's worst acts, it can be impossible to accept responsibility or access genuine feelings of sorrow and remorse. 
to do so would destroy whatever remnants of self-worth a person had left. And that's why I say jail is a bunch of fucking horseshit, okay? When a human being does something and harms another person or does something illegal, do you think putting them in a cage is going to fix it? You got to fix it. Is putting them in a cage going to fix it? No. Exactly. It will not fix it. But that's what we do. Crime and punishment. How about crime and hugs? Yeah. How about crime and hugs? When you hug the person doing the worst shit, their defenses come down and their view of themselves has an opportunity to blossom. You fucking dipshits. As a therapist who has worked with serious offenders... I have helped men and women to resist the notion that their crime defines them. You're doing the God's work, Harriet. In treatment, a person can have the opportunity to begin to remember and share incidents in his life where he believed, felt, or acted in ways he could identify as good and honorable, whether as a son, brother, husband, neighbor, or breadwinner. Only by enlarging the offender's platform of self-worth might that person find his way to empathize with the pain the hurt party feels, apologize in a heartfelt way, and work to ensure that it will never happen again. I mean, I know I'm not a drag queen, but whew, that is some truth. And if, you can, if you're wa- not watching the video of this, uh, I just took out a giant drag queen fan. Oh, this sentence fucks me up. This sentence fucks Yo, this sentence fucks me up. I was reading this last night stoned, and I was like, I had to put the book down. I threw it across the room once. Because this is so true. We have the best chance to reach people who do serious harm in treatment programs that do not label them as bad or sick, but rather enhances self-respect while accepting no excuses for violent behavior. Okay? And that's why I'm like, okay, we be throwing this label of narcissism around a lot. But also, people be acting narcissistic as hell a lot. Right? But you can't – I've always felt – I'm like, okay, cool. We have a label for it. Great. We can identify this type of trait in a person in the wild, probably, the more we talk about it and familiarize ourselves. But then what do you do? You just call them a narcissist and you walk away? That's not, they're going to keep, they're going to, you know what they're going to do? They're going to, oh, of course, they're leaving me because they can't handle the heat or whatever the fuck a narcissist says to themselves when they get left, which happens a lot. And that makes me sad. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be this way. Narcissism, it seems, is a response to an event to having a per- certain person as your parent, to whatever. So sl- saying mm, they're a narcissist, leave them. Yes, I, I agree you should not be with a, like a romantic partner who's emotionally abusive, and a lot of narcissists can be emotionally abusive, yes. But, I mean, in the wild as friends, it's not maybe not your duty as a partner to change somebody. It's definitely not. <sighs> yeah. I hear my therapist going, that's not true. Um, but... Uh, but if you're a friend of somebody's and they're acting narcissistic, I don't know how you're going to bring it up, but maybe do them a fucking solid. They're not going to want to hear it, but maybe plant a seed, plant a gentle seed so they can figure out a pathway out of their narcissistic forest. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's just make people better instead of shaming them. It's hard. I shame people who make me feel bad about myself. (laughs) And that's not good. It's not a good method. When one has physically harmed another person, the words I'm sorry are obviously not enough. Uh, Or emotionally harmed a person, maybe you could say. More is required. 
The offending party may do jail time, public service, or meaningful volunteer work. One man I worked with who had hit his wife worked Saturday mornings and gave the money to a safe house for women. I gotta say, I think you're on the road to being not a piece of shit with that move. As part of his desire to show his wife how seriously he took his past out-of-control behavior. Now that, to me, is how you gain and earn trust in your relationship. If you do something like physically hit your partner, yo, that's fucked up. It's fucked up. But it happens a lot, okay? It happens a lot. And so just saying, that's fucked up. Fuck you, you piece of shit. I mean, that's what I would want to say. The people in my life that I've met throughout my years who it's, and then it's been made known that their boyfriend hits them and then I have to see them at a fucking bar, I'm going to put, I'm going to put poop in his drink. Do you know what I mean? I won't, but, cause that's not good. But, um, you know, I want, I hate him. I, now I hate him, but my hate towards him for abusing her, it will not get us anywhere. Okay. So that is an example of somebody hitting his wife and then actually doing the things to prove that he wants to earn trust back. And I think that's possible. Once we label and shame people, he is a sexual predator. Ooh, as a woman that feels, yeah, mm-hmm. We narrow the possibility of redemption and positive change. <sighs> yeah, I hate that. I, that's very true. It's so true. Oh, I hate it. Because I don't want to feel empathy for Harvey Weinstein. I don't. He's a piece of trash. But, or Cosby. And these motherfuckers, that's what, and this book helped me. This book really did help me with this area of like, why won't, and I think I said this last week, when somebody's like a rapist, like something fucking serious like that, or a child predator, they never fucking, they, I've never seen one go, yes, I raped. Yeah, I did that. Like, I'm sure they're out there, but I never, like these Harvey Weinstein motherfuckers or Bill Cosby, these people are still convinced that they didn't do these awful things. But with this book and what she's saying, it's like, yeah, because they don't want to be identified in their own head by their worst deed, even if their worst deed is pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Rape blows. A heartfelt apology for serious wrongdoings can only be offered by those who can see their mistakes as part of being human and who can hold on to a big picture of their multifaceted, ever-changing self. Oh, my God. She probably has the best relationships, this lady who wrote this book, Harriet. Labeling and demonizing the offender will not open their minds, soften their hearts, and break through their defenses. It will only do the opposite. I'm going to repeat that because that has a lot of value, that sentence, especially now with a lot of events happening in the world that divide us. And we say, if you're not pro this or pro this, you're the fucking enemy. And that means you want my people dead. I'm sorry to say this. That is not true. It's just not true. But your pain over your people dying, that's, that's real. And that deserves honor, respect, and time to grieve. And I cannot imagine what that must feel like. But at the same time, it doesn't make the other person the enemy. It just doesn't. I'm going to read that sentence again. Labeling and demonizing the offender will not open their minds, soften their hearts, and break through their defenses. It will only do the opposite. Okay, then this next section is called, and it's in quotes, he had a terrible childhood and other poor excuses. Yo, this section, bitch, bitch, this section fucked me up. While shaming isn't useful, neither is it useful to allow the wrongdoer to rely on excuses and psychological rationalizations. 
If we view the offending party as one who has no agency, choice, or will, he loses the opportunity to be truly accountable for his behavior. Oh, yeah, that's so true. This is true for the youngest bully or the most seasoned criminal. A New Yorker cartoon by Bob Mankoff shows a woman on the witness stand saying, quote, I know he cheated on me because of his childhood abuse, but I shot him because of mine. Oh, my God. Fuck me up with these truths. Why didn't we learn the shit in middle school? This should be required. This fucking book should be required for middle school. Okay? Get them young. The cartoon reveals, uh, the cartoon drives home the point that psychological explanations aren't helpful when they invite people to avoid being responsible for the harmful consequences and decisions of their actions. The wrongdoer cannot maintain honor and dignity when denied agency and allowed to rely on excuses and psychological rationalizations. So none of this, but he's a narcissist. Well, that's why. Ah, uh-uh. fuck that shit. That person has the power to change. He has it in him. She has it in him. Mostly he has it in him. While we need to consider how the past and present affect behavior, a difficult personal history or painful current circumstance doesn't cause a person to behave badly. Now that I read and I was like, oh, okay, okay, because I thought it did. Most people who have suffered a traumatic past or horrific present do not go on to harm others. Interesting. Let's just let that sink in. Let's just let it sink in. Instead, many such people become loving parents and good citizens, adults who develop gifts that benefit us all. Fuck yeah. You're welcome, world. Had to go through all this suffering, but I'm here. Woo. All right, an important message to the harmed party. The most urgent issues, those where we feel most desperate to be heard and understood, pertain to violations of trust by people who we most relied on. Hmm. Yes, I agree. Often in my work as a therapist, the harmed party wants to confront the wrongdoer, frequently a parent hmm. yeah, or other family member, in the hopes of receiving a heartfelt apology. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I'm like, she'll apologize. And I, and I felt that I feel the same way as I do of like, well, I could win the lottery. Like, honestly, I feel like I could. And I honestly do think she could apologize. My mom, if you didn't know. One that would include a clear acknowledgement of harm that was uh, disregarded at the time and validation for the facts that certain events or communications occurred and were emotionally damaging. Doesn't that sound nice? It does. Hmm. Instead of the longed-for outcome, the harmed party may end up feeling re-traumatized. Yeah, that is what happens. That is exactly what happens where you're like, I'm going to drive down to New Jersey, I'm going to go to her fucking house, and I'm going to very calmly explain, and I'm not going to cry, and I'm not going to raise my voice, and I'm going to talk like a calm person as much as I can, and she's going to go, oh, I get it now. I'm so sorry. And then when that doesn't happen, the whole drive home, you just cry, cry, cry. And, and you almost hit the medium in the highway because you're so, your eyes well up with tears so bad that your contacts get cloudy because you're so heartbroken that you really thought she was going to say sorry. And she didn't, okay? She didn't. But she might still. But you don't hold on to that hope, okay, Christina? Most people who commit serious harm never get to the point where they can admit their harmful actions, much less apologize and aim to repair them. Well, that's good to know. You know, just burst my bubble of hope in a good way. Their shame leads to denial and self-deception that overrides their ability to orient towards reality. I mean, every fucking sentence in this, I just want to jizzle over. 
No person can be more honest with you, with us, than they can be with their own self. Oh, God, that's so true. Before you open up a conversation with a person who has harmed you, wish I read this five years ago, keep in mind that protecting yourself comes first. So, Christina, don't drive down to New Jersey. Ah, damn, I missed the message. Reduce your expectations to zero for getting the response you want and deserve. Okay, 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 okay. That's hard. I wish there was a little mind map of how to reduce your – how do you reduce your expectations? I can want zero expectations, but how, how do you how – do how do you go, expectationist, deletious? I'm not Harry Potter. I fucking wish I was. Speak your truths because you need to speak for your own self. Because this is the ground that you want to stand on, irrespective of whatever response you receive. A heartfelt apology is unlikely to be forthcoming now or ever. God, I read this five years too late. No individual will feel accountable and genuinely remorseful, no matter how well you think you communicate. <laughs> that feels personal. Um, if doing so threatens to define him or her in an intolerable way. Oh my God, this nugget of wisdom could have been way more beneficial to me 10 years ago. The other person's willingness to own up to harmful deeds has nothing to do with how much she or he, uh, she or he does or doesn't love you. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Rather than, rather, the capacity to take responsibility feel empathy and remorse, and offer a meaningful apology rests on how much self-love and self-respect that person has available. We don't have the power to bestow these traits on anyone but ourselves. Again, could have used this info when I was five. But hey, better late than never. Better late than fucking never. But goddamn, you really think you could give a lady self-respect. But you can't. She got to find it on her own. Or he. All right, I'm going to read a little bit from this next chapter. How are we doing? Are we at 38? 42. Ah, mother. Love you, mother. Okay. Uh, next chapter is titled, He's so defensive. What, you, what do you have to do with it? <laughs> Everything. Some folks are entrenched non-apologizers, and there's no changing that. They are too defensive, too covered in shame, and can't or won't see themselves objectively. They will never own up. <laughs> Often, however, the challenge of apology and reconciliation is a dance that takes place between at least two people and varies according to the context and circumstance. This means that if you aren't getting the apology you need and deserve, you may unwittingly be contributing to the problem. <gasps> wait, what? You mean it's me? But wait, I'm an angel. I don't do anything wrong. Needless to say, no one who is suffering and has, a legitimate, has legitimate grievances wants to hear this. Yet we need to. Yeah, we do fucking need to, I guess. Oh, God, I really don't want to hear that. I've, I don't want to fucking... How can I contribute to the problem when it's her fault? Apparently I can. You can't make another person drop the defensiveness and fess up. Nor are you responsible for the wrongdoer's failure to apologize when she or he should. You can, however... Oh, yes, give me some what I can do's. Avoid adding to that individual's defensiveness so that you have the best chance of exceeding his threshold of deafness and being heard. I mean, gear up for battle. Get your fucking sword out. Get your fucking knight outfit on, because this is going to be tough. Few of us have family and friends in our lives who are as dedicated to her and heroic listeners as Catherine in Chapter 4 was with her daughter. Oh, yeah, that mother-daughter thing I read. Ooh, fuck me up. 
Oh, yes. And that mom was a heroic listener. I'm like, wait, moms can talk like that to their daughters? <laughs> Why not me? If you confront the other person in an angry or critical way, it may take only a nanosecond before that other person's but, but, but response kicks in and you've lost them. Yeah, that's true. Now I'm getting flashbacks of like a nom of all those times where I've just like did not have the right tone. You know, but I don't want to be the bigger person because she's supposed to be the bigger person. See, this is the this is the seesaw I ride every day. Even if the apology we seek concerns a relatively small matter, the wrongdoer will get more defensive if you overstate your case or come on too strong. <laughs> I don't know how to come on too strong. Oh, one day. Maybe when I do ayahuasca in the woods in a couple of weeks, that'll, that'll get rid of that. Who knows? How you navigate your part of the relationship with a defensive person matters. So keep the following ideas in mind. Stick to the facts. People won't apologize if they're feeling overly accused or pushed to assume more than their fair share of blame. As one man put it, when my wife criticizes me, I don't want to apologize because I feel like I'm putting my head on the chopping block. If I apologize, I'm agreeing with her that I'm the whole problem, which isn't true. And that, I say, is valid. Even a slight exaggeration of the facts can kick up the person's defensiveness. If your partner came home late from work six times last month and you accuse him of coming home late eight times, he'll likely focus on correcting the facts rather than taking in your legitimate complaint. Oh, I hate that shit because you know I exaggerate everything. And I've been in arguments with some pieces of crap, crap people who they use my exaggeration abilities against me. Ability is probably not the right word for it. My tendency. And then they go, well, it, was, that wasn't, it wasn't four times, it was two. All right. Do I give a shit? No. Consider the following fragment of conversation between one couple in my counsel, uh, consulting room. He, you were rude and critical all morning, and I'm most irritated by the fact that you didn't even think it was necessary to apologize. She, all morning? How many times was I actually rude to you? About seven times. I was rude three times. She has counted and now approaches him like a trial lawyer. You think seven? I, I want you to tell me each of those seven times I was rude to you. Be specific. Oh, I don't like her. I don't care how many times you were rude. It's not acceptable. And what really is obnoxious is that you act like you can just be rude and then ignore it like it didn't happen. So why do you have to exaggerate? Why can't you say that I've been rude three times? Why don't you apologize for exaggerating? See, this is why I couldn't fucking be a couples counselor ever. Because I would just, if that conversation happened in front of me, I would just go, shut the fuck up. Both of you, shut the fuck up. Should you keep talking? No. Shut the fuck up. And see, they wouldn't get, they wouldn't get helped. Maybe they would laugh, though. Apolog uh, anybody who is criti criticized inaccurately will listen defensively. Duh, that's true. That is so true because we're just clinging to any missed, unfactual facts that come out of their mouths like a fucking left, uh, life vest on the Titanic. When we listen defensively, we automatically focus on the exaggerations, distortions, and inaccuracies that indeed may be there rather than listen for the essence of what's being said. Then we may swing into debate mode and correct the facts. Once in debate mode, an apology feels like losing. Oh, okay. And then the last section I'm going to read because I know I'm going to go over 45 and that's okay. I demonstrate, uh, okay, when a banana's not just a banana. That sounds sexual. I demonstrate my worst overdoing behavior in my marriage. Steve is right there on the scene and the one with whom I'm least likely to watch myself. 
relationships in a nutshell. Who can blame me for taking life stresses out on him? After all, what's a partner for? <laughs> when Steve recently came home from our local co-op with five bananas, all at the same level of ripeness. Oh, I know where this is going. I immediately confronted him. Oh, boy. There are only two of us in the house. We're not huge banana eaters. Neither of us makes banana bread. And I thought he should be down on his knees with remorse because we've talked about the banana thing several times before. Oh, boy. But see, it's good to know. Even somebody who could say things that are so prolific have dumb fuck fights like this. We're all human. You know what I mean? We can have all this knowledge, but applying it very difficult. I was already in a bad mood and having low self-esteem, a low self-esteem day. I leapt from the facts. We'd have to gorge on bananas or at least three would end up in the compost bin to below the belt tactics. What kind of person doesn't care about letting food rot when people go hungry and concluded that with most supportive of all, with the most supportive of all questions, what's wrong with you? Oh, 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 my heart aches for Steve. I then demanded an apology along with his word written in stone that the banana thing would never happen again. Yeah, that ain't, that ain't a way to act. I don't want to hear about it, Steve said with open irritation. You do the shopping yourself if you're going to criticize how I do it. I argued back and then stomped off. In because this video, we're taking a quick fuck? look at the Mega FM. That's an edit. My bad. That's all right. I don't know what the hell happened. Maybe it was a ghost. No, it's a website. Damn it. But I don't, I don't right, well, maybe it was a ghost. Just make me think it was a ghost. Okay. All right, back to Steve, and he's pissed off about being criticized about buying too many fucking bananas. You do the shopping yourself if you're going to criticize how I do it. I argued back and then stomped off because, well, why am I suddenly the bad guy? I love how honest she is with this shit. It's very important. And honestly, also, it makes me trust her words more. After all, I would never buy five bananas at the same level of ripeness, which obviously makes me the better world citizen and more highly evolved human being. And why was Steve so defensive about his obvious screw up? He should feel fortunate to receive my constructive corrections and criticisms. Oh, boy, you sound fun. If you want to invite the other person to consider his behavior and offer an apology, remember the most basic rule of good communication. Criticize the behavior, not the person. That's pretty good. But under the sway of strong emotions, we may automatically ramp up the intensity. It took me all of 10 seconds to leap from the facts, buying five ripe bananas meant three would rot, yes, we know, Harriet, to questioning what sort of person would do such a thing. Paradoxically, it's in our most enduring and important relationships that we're least likely to be our most mature and thoughtful selves. I mean, woo! What am I at? Forty-seven. Yeah. Ha! I'm psychic. Case closed, guys. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the voices in our heads. Remember to follow me on social media at Christina Hutch across all platforms and sign up for that Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Christina Hutchinson. Congratulations on not killing yourself. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>